Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Amen. So good to see all of you. Doesn't, man, this is, isn't this an exciting time? This is an exciting season as a church. Look around. Um, so many faces. Uh, man, I'm so glad that you're here today. Uh, my name's Michael. My wife, Carmen, and I had the opportunity to serve this church as lead pastors, and we're we're just honored that you chose to be at church today. There, are, uh, There's so many things that I want to tell you about. Uh, let me just give you, first, let me give you an update on what's going on with the building. And so obviously you can tell around you there's, it looks much different than it did last week. Uh, and so this week what they're actually doing is starting tomorrow morning, they're coming in and insulating everything up top. And so they're spraying in black insulation. They've already sanded this sheetrock. And uh, they're going to come in with some floor sweep and essentially take all the dust out of here. They will, uh, this week, we will have insulation. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're coming in and building our stage. And then we should have doors in the worship center uh, by next weekend. Awesome. And uh, so very quickly, this thing is going to come to, I know it looks a mess right now. And so thank you so much for being flexible with us because I understand that it is a mess. But we are absolutely trying everything that we can do to work with the construction company. That way we can have church and do it in an excellent and a safe way for your family and, and my family as well. Uh, but the next few weeks, this is going to come together quickly. I mean, we're talking about insulation this week. They're going to finish up the sanding all around the campus. The next week, they're coming in and going to be painting, okay? Uh, painting and millwork and things like that. Um, and we'll start installing our sound system and start um, all of that. And, and then the week after that, we're due flooring. And so it, it's going to go very quickly. You're going to see this come together very, very quickly. And, uh, but this is going to be something that you're going to remember for years and years as our church grows. And you're going to say, hey, remember when we did this? Remember when we were having church in a room that there was no air conditioner for just today, and, and it was not hot. Praise God, all right, amen. Um, and so they're gonna get all this ducting finished and we'll have AC very quickly. So thank you so much. I just wanna thank you for your continued faithfulness and tithing and offering. Um, your tithing and offering is why we're able to make this happen, why this is able to move forward, and uh, very, very excited about all that God is going to do in that, amen? Amen? Awesome, awesome. So glad uh, that you're here today. We have a couple of people that are back in town that we love very much. They are our family, and they're, we're glad they're home. Pastor Don and Michelle Babin. Y'all come up here. Come on. Come here. Come here. Come here. Our church has grown since they went on their mission, but they, they are missionaries to Africa. And so they spend, they live in the woodlands, but then they go and they spend three months in Africa and then they come home for a few months and they travel and, and raise funds and all of that. But uh, really quickly, I just wanted us to honor Pastor Don and Michelle. Can we stand up on our feet? Let's give God praise for all that they've done. This is awesome. Why don't you guys... You can be seated. You guys give us a little update on what's going on. I just wanted to say 
thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And also, uh, I'm reminded just about a week ago, we got a phone call from a pastor in Kenya. He's building a church, and so we gave him some money to help get a little more down the road and more, a little more progress. But it's hard building a church no matter where you are in the world. I've really learned that. In this church, they were working on it, and elephants came and knocked down one of the walls. So... <laughs> It's hard no matter where you live, Woodlands or Kenya, wherever, but he's going <laughs> to, so we literally had an elephant in the room, <laughs> so he's going to rebuild and it'll all be fine. Well, it's good to be here, good to be home. We love our church because, you know, our church believes in all the goodies of God, and it's just, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and deliverance and all those good things. So it's so good to be back home and good to be back home to hear worship in English. <laughs> you know, it's all in the mother tongue. So, you know, I'm standing there like, wow, what's different? Oh, it's in English. <laughs> but wow, it's so good. We saw over 1,100 people give their life to Jesus. Uh, we, don't, we don't know, but well over 1,000 people were just miraculously healed pastors were getting text of all the healings and stuff like that. We don't even count the healings. We just count the salvations. Uh, we've been able to enlarge several churches. We're doing a water well project right now. Uh, and I've, I've been on site several times. As a matter of fact, now they're building this big water tower because we don't do a well, we do a water project because we encourage them to do agriculture, to create an economy for these tribes way out in the middle of remote Africa. And so they're building the tower now with a big tank, and then we'll pipe water out for different gardens and stuff like that. But a lot of the people came up to me and, and thanked me, and, and thank you for this church that helped us with that water project. But they came up to me and said, thank you so much for doing this because now we don't have to drink contaminated water anymore. And the children are sick all the time because of it. So, I mean, you know, for them to get water, it's like you win in the lottery. It just doesn't happen. So this is like a major, major miracle for them. But, uh, I mean, it's just, we see gardens everywhere now. When we went 13, 14 years ago, there were no gardens. And now there's gardens everywhere, which means now they have an economy. And so now they can send their kids to school and they can, they can buy clothes and things like that. Whereas before, they had no money. So it's just awesome to, to go and see transformation in these tribes that are so remote that hardly any missionaries go there because you have to have a well-built truck to get to them. And, and then when it rains, it's really fun because, <laughs> you know, you get to do mudding all day. <laughs> you know, I come here and people, the kids go, yeah, we're going to go mudding. I think, you don't know what mudding is. <laughs> But we love you. Thank you so much for praying for us. Thank you, Pastor, for standing with us, supporting us in what we do. Come on, let's honor them one more time. Come on, let's give it up big. Because of your continual faithfulness and your, and your tithe and offering, we were able to give $1,000 towards that well project that he was talking about. And so that happened because of you. So thank you for your continued giving. Um, let me set up today like this. So before I do, let me tell you very quickly, next week we're starting a brand new series called No Offense. Look at your neighbor, tell them no offense. 
Normally, those two words are followed by something that are actually an offense, right? And so we're going to talk about that a little bit, and we're going to dive into a little bit of a relationship series headed into Thanksgiving, just in time for your mother-in-law to come over. Come on, somebody. Um, Just in time. Uh, So uh, let me set up today like this. Chan Gailey, um, who began, he was a football coach, he began his second season as a head coach for the Buffalo Bills. He, 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 He got his start in, uh, in coaching football at Troy State University in 1984. And with a 12-1 record, he led the Troy State Trojans to a Division II national, NCAA national championship. But a week before that game, um, a week before that game, he was headed to the practice field with his team when the secretary called and uh, called him back to take a phone call. He was somewhat irritated, and he said, what do you mean a phone call? He said, take a message, like I'm going to practice. And she said, well, but it's Sports Illustrated, coach. It's Sports Illustrated. He said, well, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. As he made his way to the building from the practice field, he began to think about the upcoming article that was coming, right? He could just tell what the phone call was going to be. It was great publicity for a small school like Troy State to be in Sports Illustrated. As he got closer, he realized that a big article would not be sufficient to tell the whole story of the season. Coming even closer to his office, he started thinking about it on the, the face, his face on the cover, right? Should I pose or should I go with an action shot? Should I pose with one of my players? Or he started thinking, his head was spinning with the possibilities. When he gets to his office and he picked up his phone, the person asked, said, hello, is this Chan Gailey? He said, yes, it is. This, the, the person replied, said, this is Sports Illustrated. We're calling on you to let you know that your subscription is running out. Are you interested in renewing? <laughs> he hung up on him and he said, I'm going back to practice. I hung up on him and, and went back to practice. Chan Gailey had this incredible vision of glory for himself in the moment. But ultimately, he knew what he needed to do. He needed to be at practice. And so it's easy for us as a church in a time like this when we're seeing a building built all around us, we're seeing expansion, we're seeing growth, we're seeing, you know, your kids are able to, your pre-K and nursery are able to be in their new spaces. And by the way, can we give it up for our incredible load-in, load-out team that made all of this happen every week? Come on, come on, this is big. If you want to be a part of that, you can help us load out after church or you can come Saturday at 4 o'clock. But it's easy for us to be a, see all this happening and, uh, you know, praise God for it. But there's sometimes that we just need to go back to practice. We just need to go back to practice because we know where we, what, what got us here and what's going to get us to the next space. And so, you know, our vision as a church, I felt like in a season, this season, we needed to go back to our vision. We needed to kind of re, recalibrate on our vision, make sure that we're all aligned in the same direction, headed in the same direction. You know, we have a vision statement that we rally behind. And if you know it, I'd love for you to say it with me. We're real people with a real passion to live vibrant life in Jesus. Can you say that again? We're real people with a real passion to live vibrant life in Jesus. Amen. Amen. That is our vision as a church. Uh, And we have nine core values. Everything that we do as a church lines around this vision, whether it's a program, whether it's our services, whether it's our kids' ministry. This night, uh, tonight, we're having our trunk or treat right here at the church, 5.30 to 8 o'clock. Come set up your car. If you you haven't signed up, you can still sign up. Set up your car. You can win. There's cash prizes that come along with that. But everything that we do 
aligns around this vision of we're real people with a real passion to live vibrant life in Jesus. Everything that we do aligns around that. We have nine core values that kind of break down uh, this particular vision. And, and we've been preaching through those nine core values. The first week we preached that Jesus is our message. Generosity is our privilege and that celebration is our response. Last week we preached that uh, people are our purpose, unity is our commitment, and serving is our joy. Today we're going we're gonna to end this season of vision um, finalizing these last three vision points. Uh, and, and so we're going to kind of dive into this, day, this very, very quickly here. Number one, honor is our approach. Honor is our approach. We lead by serving and we lead by loving, but there's another vital element that effective leaders and effective churches possess. Effective leaders and effective churches. It's, it's an element that hasn't received a lot of attention in the leadership literature that fills the shelves of your Barnes & Noble uh, leadership books here. You know, it's actually something that our culture has lost tremendously. It's this culture of honor. A culture of honor. Uh, the truth is, is that great leaders are leaders that honor. Great leaders are leaders with honor inside of them. But the truth is, is that what would happen is, is if us as a church, every one of us, if all of us get this culture of honor, I believe we can change the flow of the river in our city. We can change the flow of the river of the culture as far as honor goes. You know, we live in a culture that's not full of honor. It's full of dishonor, right? It's how quickly that you can put somebody down or take them out or, you know, that, that's a culture of dishonor. This element of honor goes hand in hand with serving and loving people in a realistic um, aspect here. For us to truly love and serve people, honor helps make them come alive. It's a, it's a Bible word, right? It's a Bible word. I know it's not a... It's not a culturally relevant term, but uh, I'd like it. I'd like to make it so. This word honor, this biblical word honor, the Greek word translated honor in the New Testament, actually, uh, it kind of goes back to this word. It, it, the translation goes back to something of priceless value. Priceless value. This word associated with a sense in the Old Testament is associated with a sense of heaviness. Or weightiness, heaviness or weightiness. Honor means heaviness or weightiness. And in fact, it's one of the Ten Commandments is to honor your father and mother, right? We know this. It's to honor our father and mother. And so if we're going to go back to the Old Testament and look at that translation, that word literally means to make that they should be heavy in your eyes. And that doesn't mean that you imagine them gaining a lot of weight. That's rude. Um, don't do that. But uh, it means it's about influence, it's about influence, right? You honor them by allowing them to have influence in your life. Jesus took it to the next level when he told us to give the same honor that we give to our parents and give it to everyone. To give that heaviness to everyone, to give that influence to everyone. We're to give them a respect that isn't earned because Jesus earned it for them. Honor. Frankly, Honor is the key to, make any to making any relationship work, right? You can't have a marriage without honor. You can't have a friendship without honor. You can't have 
uh, a, a really any relationship without honor. You can't have a good job without honor. As a leader, it's perhaps one of the most important tools in opening another person's life and heart to your influence and to the direction that God would bring through you. Now, it can't be something, honor can't be something that we use in a manipulative stance here, or a manipulative sense. Honor can't be fake. The first two words of our vision, we're real people. We're authentic. Honor's got to be real. I'm referring to the quality decision just intentionally to honor people, that we do it on purpose. It's an element that is so frequently missing from the lives of Christians, and it bothers me. It bothers me. Romans 12 and 10 says that we should love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another. Anybody here competitive? All my competitive people, just let me know. I'm not. I'm going to put my hand down. I'm not competitive at all. I, I mean... Um, my competitive people wave at me one more time. I want to see you. I want to see you. Come on. That's it. All right. The rest of y'all line. It's all right. It's okay. Sorry. We'll work through that. I'll preach about that next week. I'm just kidding. I, I'm not, I mean, I'm, you know, not super competitive, but this word it is saying honor here. This word, the scripture is that we should outdo each other in showing honor. When you look at honor that way, it changes things, right? When you look at honor that way, if you're, you're in a competition with somebody next to you to see how much you can honor. You know what I think of instantly? Um, forgive me for a moment. Anybody Office fans in the house? Okay, all right. Y'all remember the episode when Andy uh, and Dwight are constantly going back and forth, trying to one-up each other, like trying to give gifts and trying to do things. Y'all remember? Anybody remember? Just me. Okay, all right. This is the thing that I think about when the scripture, when I, when I read the scripture. It's this constant outdoing of one another, of, of honor, right? So what this does is it makes it no matter who I look at, no matter who I'm dealing with, the person I like, the person I don't like, the enemy, my friend, I look at them, and my goal biblically should be to outdo them in honor. No matter how good you've been to me, no matter how bad you've been to me, my goal is to outdo you in honoring you. Can I give you a little secret? I'm going to give you a little SCOBY secret here right here. Ready? When you come in the door, when, you, when I meet you at the front... I always want to be there, and I'm loving on you, and I'm, I, I'm always going to high-five you. I'm going to hug your neck. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to be there, okay? I'm going to be there. But you know what I'm, what I'm always going to do when I'm there? I'm going to compliment something about you. I don't know what it is. I, I, it might be your shoes. It might be your shirt. It might be your hair. might be, I, I don't know what it is. I, I'm just always going to compliment you. Why? Because I take this seriously. Honor is my approach. Because when I, I, when I look at people, I want, to, I want to be able I want to honor you. I want to love you. I want to serve you. Honor is how I serve you. And so I think if we all get a hold of this and we recognize that the people around, the, people around us, we're called to them, to honor them. And the truth is, I've discovered this about honor. It's a reflection of how much you value that person. If you don't value them very much, it's easy to not honor them, right? But your willingness to serve them on a long-term basis is a reflection of how you value whomever you're serving, right? So love really is an outworking of your decision to place priceless value on the people that God brings to your life. I preached a message on this not long ago, so it just kind of works well in this. But the way that we honor, and realistically, okay, we honor up, we honor down, 
and we honor all around. Y'all remember that? We stood up and we did the thing. Honor up, honor down, honor all around. What would happen, church, if we started living this out? If we started intentionally understanding, well, I'm going to honor up. Well, when I'm honoring up, not only am I honoring God, but I'm honoring the people over me. Well, I don't agree with them. Doesn't matter. I'm going to honor them. Well, I'm going to honor down. I'm going to honor the people in my downfall. I'm going to honor my kids. I'm going to honor anybody that has served. I'm going to honor. Well, they did that right. It doesn't matter. I'm going to honor. I'm going to honor. I'm going to honor all around. Well, that person, you don't know what they did to me. I don't have to know. I only have to know what the Bible tells us to do, which is to honor. Honor up. Honor down. Honor all around. You know, this is making this personal could change your life. Making this vision statement personal could change your life if you would honor every where, every person, every opportunity, honor. And so right now, I actually want to do something that's, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shake it up on you uh, a little bit today. I, everybody in this room should have a communion cup. And if you don't have a communion cup, if you're a teenager and above, if you don't have a communion cup, um, please just lift your hand. If you don't have one and our ushers are around and they'll get you one. What I would love for us to do, if we could stand right now, um, and, and, and we're actually going to take a moment and we're going to live this out. We're going to start out right now by honoring up. We're going to honor up. We're going to honor God. You know, at the Last Supper, Jesus was there with his disciples, and, and he's there eating with them, and he tells them, he says, he's explaining what's about to happen. The crucifixion is about to happen. He says, I'm going to die. I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back. And, and this, a lot of dialogue happens, but this, this foundational thing that Jesus was telling him, he's like, look, I, there's something that I want you to do to remember me. In the toughest, toughest of times, and the hardest of times, in the easiest of times, I want you to do this to remember me. Why? Because it was about honor. It was about honor. Jesus was talking and he says, hey, this bread right in front of you, this is going to be my body. And I, when you take of this bread, I want you to remember, I want you to remember the sacrifice that I made for you. You know, there are many different churches and many different religious experiences and things like that. But the only prerequisite that I find for, to take communion is that we have a repentant heart. And so right now, what I wish that we would do right now is I'm, I'm going to do it over the mic. But I wish that you would right now just take a moment and ask God to clear out any of the stuff out of your heart. Any of the sin, any of the anxiety, any of the stress, any of the things that you've allowed to weigh you down right now, that you would just ask God to remove that from you. Lord Jesus, I love you. I come before you today and I honor you, God. I pray that you would remove the sin from my heart. You would remove, God, anything that I have done that has offended you, Lord, that you would forgive me of that. That you would forgive all of us, Lord. Forgive us of our sin. God, today, more than anything, we want to honor you, but we want to honor you with a, a clean and a pure heart. God, because we're a, a, God, I want to be a sanctuary of your Holy Spirit. I want my, 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 the sanctuary of my heart to be clean and pure. So God, I pray that you would root out any of the filth, anything that is not pure, anything that is wrong or not holy, anything that is not righteous, that you would clear it out of me. In Jesus' name. Church, let's take the bread and remember 
his body. second part of this communion was the cup so I want you to take this cup and this would be remember this would be my blood my blood that I shed when you take this cup you'll remember the sacrifice of blood you know I don't know if you know this but the life of your body is in your blood it's not in your bones, it's not in your tissue, it's not even in your organs. But without blood, your, liter- your body literally cannot survive. And so what I really do believe that in, the, in the, communion, the, the communion of that time, when Jesus was telling them, I want you to remember, take this one and remember for the blood that was shed. He was literally telling them, look, I want you to take this to remember because I'm literally bringing you back to life. My blood was shed so it would literally bring you back to life. Your sin doesn't have to weigh you down. Your sin doesn't have, your past doesn't have to hinder your future. Literally, his blood shed brought you back to life. Church, let's honor up by remembering the blood of Jesus. Let's take this cup. Come on right now, church. Can we thank him for bringing us back to life? Lord, I thank you for the life-giving power in your blood. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your blood that was shed. God, that you got up three days later so there could be a new wine, God, a new wine of your Holy Spirit that you would bring us back to life, Jesus. We're so thankful for your Holy Spirit that we feel even in this house, God. We honor you. God, we honor you. This is your house. This is your church. This is your thing. God, we're honored to be a part of your church today. Jesus, we honor you. Come on, church. Can you honor him right now? God, we give you praise and honor. God, and adoration. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, Victoria, for playing. I know it's not often that we we do communion in the middle of the sermon, but we're in a construction zone, so we can, you know, nothing's normal, right? Right now, (laughs) what is normal? The second point that I want to preach to you today is excellence is our standard. Walt Disney, excellence is our standard. Walt Disney was touring one of the newer facilities when it was built uh, for the first time. And it was an amusement park, and he was touring it after it was complete on opening day. And, um, you know, he was walking around with the people that were walking him. And he found, he saw one of the workers walk by and do something profound. One of the workers walked by, and he, there was a piece of paper right by his foot. And he walked right by the piece of paper and didn't pick it up. Walked right by it. Walt Disney said, I need to know who that man is. He went and got him, fired him on the spot. Why? Because excellence is a standard. Excellence is a standard. Now, I'm not trying to fire anybody here, but (laughs) I can fire myself. But the culture of our church is incredibly important. The culture of our church is incredibly important. It, It affects not so much what is done, but how it's done. 
right? Let's be honest. A lot of churches look the same on the outside. It's a building. You have a worship service. You have groups. You have leaders. You have pastors. You have community. You have coffee. You have snacks. You have kids ministry. But the culture of the church is how things are done. People have told me about Vibrant Church. What, what's, why did you come to Vibrant Church? I don't know. It's just how it is. It's just different. That's the culture. It's the thing that you really can't put your finger on, but it's different. Why? Because excellence is a standard. We set this expectation for how people will act and how, that, that, how these actions will be interpreted, right? What kind of expectations do we embrace here at Vibrant Church? How are things done? How do we want things to be done? What kind of a culture honors God? What kind of a culture will impact our neighbors and our friends and connect with various ministries and programs? I really go back to Colossians 3 and 23 when I think about this every time. Whatever you do, work heartily as, it, as for the Lord, not for men. That's why yesterday when we showed up, uh, Connor, where's Connor Haney? Where you at, bro? Connor Haney, we got here about 2.15 yesterday. Load-in was at 4. We got here really early. And when we got here, there was, they had sanded these walls this week. And there was literally dust everywhere, like caked on dust. And we're like, it was supposed to be taken care of before we got here, and it wasn't. And so we're like, yeah, there's nothing to it but to do it, right? And we just we spent hours sweeping this floor. And I'm not trying to give ourselves credit here. But what I am trying to do is the reason we did that is because we did it not for y'all but because this is the house of the Lord. We're going to do it as unto the Lord. We want this to be excellent. I, I want it to be excellent for you, trust me. I love you and I love your family, but I want it to be excellent to, for the Lord, right? I've noticed something about highly successful churches. Everything they do, they do excellently. They take it on as a mission and a task very seriously. I remember going to a leadership intensive as a church planner, and I remember being shocked to find out in the middle of a Thursday that there were tons, like hundreds of volunteers that took off work to serve us as church planners. Like hundreds of volunteers, they took off work and they were helping make it, make it happen. These volunteers served and, and worked as if they were paid staff. They were polite, they were helpful, they knew exactly what was going on. They executed their roles well. It's no wonder that that particular church, had an, it, it, they had a culture of excellence. Here's why we want excellence, and I want you to write this down or I want you to take a picture of the screen, one or the other, okay? Excellence honors God and inspires people. Excellence honors God and it inspires people. I always go back to the example of my son with this. My son loves music. Ethan is in the back somewhere. I, he loves music, okay? Uh, last week, he sat up right here in the front row and he was dancing like crazy. I had to put him in the back because he was so crazy. But I, like, uh, he was dancing and I love it, buddy. You did awesome. He loves music music and the worship team. Everybody on this worship team, he looks up to them so much. Why? Because they do such an excellent job. Excellence honors God, but it also inspires people, right? Who are you inspiring with your excellence? You want to honor God with that, but there's a byproduct. You're going to inspire somebody else that wants to be like you, or they might end up being better than you. That would be even better, right? There's like it's like at a conference I was at a couple of weeks ago. You show up, all the bags are in a straight line, perfectly in order. Like you go to get a drink and they dry the drink off for you and then they hand it off to you. Right? It's over the top. This excellence honors God. But the Bible says whatever that we do, we, honor, we do it for the glory of God. How do you glorify God with your simple tasks? 
like your day-to-day, like doing your expense report at work, or building that thing, or doing that thing, or, or driving, or whatever that thing is, you honor God by your attention to detail. Because excellence is a standard that you set for life. My, my, my guy, Jerry Haney, anybody love Jerry? Love Jerry? He's looking at me because I've got him nervous right now. I've got him nervous. Hey, Jerry shows up every Saturday for load-in, whether he's serving or not. He shows up, he loads in, he loads out. But here's what I love about Jerry. A few weeks ago, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little stressed about a few things going on. I don't know if y'all have noticed there's a few things going on. I'm a, I'm, I could get a little scattered and a little stressed about it, okay? And so a few weeks ago, we set up all the chairs. Everything's set to go. Well, then we get the camera set, and Jerry was like, nope, that's not going to work. And I'm like, Jerry, what do you mean that's not going to work? We got it all. So he was like, man, it's, it, it's not going to work as far as like the, the people's heads are going to be in it. It's not going to work. We got to move some things around. I'm like, man, do we have to move things around? I'm like, can we, I'm just like so stressed right now. Do we have to move? Jerry's like, yeah, we got to move it. I'm like, in the moment, I was like, man, come on, Jerry. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. But then I, we moved the camera and we set some things and we changed some chairs and we moved some things around. And then I got home and I started thinking about it. You know what? I sure am appreciative for Jerry Haney because his excellence not only does it honor God, but it inspires everybody in our production team because they're going to follow that lead. And yesterday we showed up and the chairs weren't just quite right and the rest of the team recognized it and they were like, hey, we need to move some of these chairs. We need to make this just right. We need to get it just right. And we spent like, they spent 30, 45 minutes getting the chairs just set right. Why? Excellence honors God and it inspires people. What kind of excellence are you installing in your life personally right now that would honor God and and inspire people? Inspire people, right? The the final point that I want to preach today is that our faith is uncommon. Uncommon. Have you ever met somebody that it's just like, man, there's something different about them? They're different. They're different. There's something different about them. Our faith is... Is uncommon. I want to bring to you a little illustration here from uh, Luke chapter seven, but, but seven. But surprisingly, this illustration is seen in a non-Jew. Okay, it's a Roman soldier, no less. And so Jesus actually meets this man. But in verse nine, we'll talk about it in a moment. We're told that Jesus was amazed by his faith. He was amazed by his faith. The only other time in the New Testament where Jesus said he was amazed was Mark 6 and 6, where Jesus was amazed by the lack of faith in his hometown. So the only person he was amazed by faith, the only person he was amazed by, period, was not even a Jew. Jesus said to the Roman soldier, had faith unlike any Jesus had ever found, even in Israel. His example has something to teach us. Let me read the story to you. This is Luke chapter 7, verse 1. You can follow along on the screen. When Jesus had finished saying all of this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion, this Roman centurion, okay? The centurion had heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves... This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and he's built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. 
He was not far into the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself and a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. He was amazed by the faith. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. There are three faith factors that I want to preach to you very quickly. Our faith is uncommon as a church. Our church has faith, big faith, to believe the impossible. I see my man Scott back there. He was dead, but he's alive today. That's un- it began by uncommon faith, right? I see, I see people in this room that were atheists, but now believers. That, faith, that, that started because uncommon faith. Uncommon faith, right? I see people in the house that were broken, but now have been healed, that have recovered and now living a vibrant life in Jesus. That happens because of uncommon faith. Three faith factors for you. Number one, humility. A belief that God can touch your situation, that God can deliver. But the Jews were saying, this man deserves a healing. But the centurion is like, Look, man, I'm not even worthy to meet you. Don't even come. Like, I'm not even worthy to meet you. Will you just heal him where you're at? There's power in humility in our faith. God, I don't deserve the blessing, but I know that you're able. God, I don't deserve all you've done for me, but God, I know that you're able. I know that you're powerful. I know that you can do it. There's an old song that says, no one can touch you like Jesus can. No one can bind your wounds with nail-scarred hands. Humility of God, I don't deserve, I don't deserve the blessings in my life, but God, I thank you for them. Second was belief against the grain. See, this man was a Roman soldier. I don't know if you know this or not, but believing in Jesus and even calling on him to heal somebody he was connected to was not the most popular thing for him to do. In fact, something like this would have surely gotten him killed after the resurrection because of Saul. Saul would have killed him for this. But knowing all that what could have happened, the social circumstances, the possible outcome, the grain was going one way, the river was going one way, he believed inside that Jesus could heal this man. He believed so much so that he sent friends to speak to Jesus. Faith requires you, uncommon faith requires you to swim upstream in the world. Everything that the world wants, the Lord typically wants the opposite. It requires you to stand up when the world is sitting. It requires you to speak out when the world is silent. I don't know about you, but I'm unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm unashamed of the gospel. I'm unashamed that Jesus died on the cross and rose three days later so we could be saved, so we could be sanctified, so we could be justified, so we could be healed and find freedom and live vibrant life in Jesus. 
no matter what this world says or does, I will always swim against that grain, swim against that river. The third thing was this, is speak it out. He believed and confessed his belief publicly that Jesus could work a miracle on his behalf. The fact that he confessed it publicly to a group of people and sent them to Jesus where there was a crowd got the attention of Jesus. The centurion would not only believe, but he would get some of the closest people around him and say, hey, look, I know this isn't popular. I know this could cost you your life, but I want you to go tell Jesus, you don't even have to come. I believe in you. Would you heal him? I'm not worthy, but you're powerful and you're worthy. He made a faith statement. And that faith statement opened the door for a miracle. Would you stand with me all across this room today? When you, were, when, when you walked in, you were given a, a Sharpie. I want you to grab that Sharpie right now. How many of you right now have something that you want the Lord to work in your life? Something in this season that you've been praying for, that you've just, you've been asking the Lord for, that you're just like, okay, God, I, I need you to move in this situation. You got something, if you do, raise your hand. Come on, come on, look. Look at those hands around you. Every one of those hands, what I want you to do is I want you to have a Sharpie. Two years ago, we did something powerful with our launch team. Our launch team, two years ago, we were in the elementary kids' room. And what we did was we took Sharpies just like this, and we began to write faith statements on the ground everywhere in that room, all the way into the lobby right by the door. Some of us, through teary eyes, writing these faith statements. When they tore the flooring up, the first thing that I wanted to come look at before they sanded anything down was I wanted to come look at some of those faith statements. I started looking at these faith statements and I could tell who was right, who wrote that one because I saw that come to pass. Who wrote that one because I saw that come to pass? Who saw that one because I saw it happen? I saw this person healed. I saw this person saved. I saw this person delivered. Here's the thing is that when we declare publicly that we believe in the power of Jesus, that he can move on our behalf, and we, we declare it publicly, what happens is it gets the attention of Jesus. It's an uncommon faith that leads to uncommon miracles. Church, we're a church with uncommon faith. And so what I want you to do in a moment, I'm going to pray over you. And what I want you to do is I want you to take your Sharpie and I want you to find a spot somewhere in this room. And I want you to write that thing. I want you to write that thing that you believe God's going to do for you in this season. This next season, what that, what that thing is that you believe God's going to do for you, write it on this concrete floor. But I want you to write it, not coming to God. God, I'm begging you, please. But more, God, I believe you're so powerful that you can do it without even blinking. God, I'm believing you for this. It's a faith statement. I'm believing you for salvation. I'm believing you for healing. I'm believing you that my backslidden kids are coming home. I believe you that I'm gonna experience your Holy Spirit. I'm believing that this healing is coming. I'm believing that my family will be put back together again. I'm believing for this. Let me pray over you and then we're gonna sing. And I want you to step out from your seat wherever you want to in this room before we come back together and write your faith statement. Lord Jesus, we love you and we believe in the power of your name. We have uncommon faith that your name is stronger 
than any situation we're dealing with. So God, right now, as people step out of their seat, as they begin to, to, to write these faith statements, God, as they exercise this faith, God, I pray that you would exercise the same amazement that you had with that Roman centurion, God. That it may be against the grain for somebody right now to step out of their seat, to do something, to write these faith statements. It's going to require a little faith. It's going to require them to exercise it. God, maybe they're even a little scared, but God, I, I speak faith into their life. God, we're a church with uncommon faith. We believe in uncommon miracles. God, I pray that you would move in these situations, that you would do something that is uncommon, that you would work miracles, that you would, I pray that you would bind the darkness that light could shine, that you would bind the darkness of fear so light could shine, that you would bind anxiety, that you would bind fear in this moment, that someone would step out and begin to exercise this faith, exercise this faith, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.